It's a great joy to me this morning to welcome Reverend Dr. Anthony Clark to uh, be here and to preach this morning. And many of you will know that for a small amount of my time, uh, I have the great privilege of supporting a few of the ministers in training, those who are preparing for Baptist ministry in future years. And uh, from time to time, I mention that in the course of life here. Uh, and because of that, I know Anthony very well, and uh, it's a great joy to work with Anthony and the others who are based at Regents Park College and uh, together to encourage those who are developing their ministerial skills. So for that reason, especially, I'm delighted that Anthony, you're able to come and speak to us today. Just a couple of weeks ago, we started our journey into this uh, spring series of listening to Jesus in a noisy world, always listen to Jesus. And we're journeying particularly through the Beatitudes and come this morning to that challenging Beatitude, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And in a moment, Anthony will speak to us around that. But uh, first of all, Claire is going to bring our scripture reading and read just the opening section of the Beatitudes and another passage as well. And then Anthony will speak. Reading this morning from Matthew 5, verses 1 to 4. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Continuing in John 11, verses 17 to 37. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Matthew said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, Notice how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. 
But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Thank you, Paul, for your welcome and your invitation. It's lovely to be here. Uh, thank you, too, for your willingness to uh, allow Paul to give some of his time to us in college. It's a great benefit uh, to us at college, both for Paul to come and join us from time to time, and also for him to go and visit some of our students. So thank you, Paul. Thank you to you as a church for that. You may be familiar with the line, the quip. It goes back to various people, I think probably back to Benjamin Franklin. There are only two things certain in life, death and taxes. Now, of course, it doesn't just mean that all of us will die. Of course, that is true. It also means that if we live long enough, if we live a long and full life, we will experience the death of other people. We will be people who mourn. It will happen to all of us. Blessed are those who mourn, said Jesus, for they will be comforted. Perhaps at the beginning I ought to give a slight health warning this morning. We will deal with things this morning that may be difficult and painful and personal. As we talk about mourning, it may raise all sorts of feelings in us, depending on our own experience and all that we bring this morning. As always, there will be a chance to talk and to pray with people afterwards. So do take that opportunity. But just recognize that today may raise feelings in us that we weren't quite ready for when we came this morning. When we think about mourning, clearly we think about the loss of someone in death. But actually mourning can be a, a whole range of other things all sorts of ways that we can cope and deal with loss. I think for me, probably the most profound experience of loss I've had to deal with is not the death of somebody, but the difficulties of one of my children. I have three children. Uh, my middle one, who is now 18, has some significant special needs. Uh, when she was born, everything seemed to be fine. She was quite sick as a little baby, but as we went through the first two years of her life, and she didn't meet all those targets that the health visitor wants them to meet, it began to be obvious that something was more significantly wrong. So we went through a whole process of test after test, until at some point when she was about two, it became clear that she had a fairly rare a genetic abnormality. Doctors weren't quite sure what this would mean because it was really quite rare, but it would mean she wouldn't develop as she was expected to. Now she's 18. And she's not really 18 emotionally uh, or intellectually. She's much, much younger than that. She's great fun, she's full of life. But actually, it wasn't quite what we were expecting when she was born. And there's certain things that won't happen. 
I will never walk her down the aisle because that won't be her future. She, she loves young babies, but she'll never be a mother. For us as a family, here is a sense of mourning. Not mourning what we've lost in the past, but mourning what will never be in the future. For much of life, simply it carries on like any other family, with all the ups and downs, the highs and lows of family life. Occasionally, it hits you again. We had to fill in a load more forms in the last few weeks as she was 18. And you have to go through again and again all the things that she can't do. And you suddenly realize, as the tears well up, oh, I'm still mourning what has not happened and what will not be. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. The world is not as we want it to be. I'd hope the world will be different. For Bethany, for myself, for our family. And maybe this helps us answer a little bit what Jesus is talking about. Certainly Jesus is talking about the loss of people we love. But we mourn a lot more than just that. One of the issues that our church has had to face in the last few weeks is the death of a toddler. Part of our church family who went to sleep one afternoon and didn't wake up. The world is not as we want it to be. And we mourn what we have lost, and we mourn what is broken, and we mourn what will not happen. For us, this is part of life, and we cannot escape it. When Jesus talks about mourning, some have understood that to be a sense that we're not satisfied with ourselves. We see the brokenness in our own lives in all kinds of ways. When we stop and take a moment, we know that for us, in our own lives, we're not the people that we want to be. And we're not the people that God would have us be. In wider society, this is often focused as a big industry. We're not as fit as we want to be, so there's a whole range of things we can buy and do to help us. We're not quite the weight we want to be. So there's a whole range of things that we can do and buy to help us. We don't quite look as we want to be. So here are the products that might help us. But we know, of course, it goes much deeper than that. In terms of what I think about myself, how I relate to other people, and how I connect with God. In terms of my attitudes, my life, my prayers, 
I'm not the person I want to be. I'm not the person that God looks for me to be. Now, I might struggle to say that at times because that's hard. But deep down, I know that is true. There's an old Bruce Springsteen song that reflects on a broken relationship. And it has the line, When I look at myself, I don't see the man I wanted to be. Somewhere along the line, I stepped off track. One step up and two steps back. So what do we do? We could shrug our shoulders and say, oh well, that's life. Or we could mourn. We could look at the brokenness in our own lives and say, somewhere along the line, I stepped off track. Part of the worship of God's people from the Psalms onwards has always been to have prayers of confession where we stop and we turn to God and say we've messed up again and these are prayers of mourning because we're mourning the fact that we are broken and not the people God has made us to be there may be times when we're tempted to avoid those kind of prayers. Because we want church to be fun and uplifting and joyful. But these are vital in our prayer life. That we say to God from time to time, I recognize my own brokenness before you. Blessed are those who mourn, said Jesus. Why? Because if we stop and recognize and own our brokenness, we are opening ourselves again to God's mercy and forgiveness and grace. The point of prayers of confession are not to remind ourselves how bad we are, but to hold our hands open for God's mercy and grace. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Some have understood that to mean that we're not satisfied with the world around us. We see the brokenness of our world in all sorts of ways. We hear accounts of broken and damaged relationships. And we wish it were different. We read stories of those who struggle day by day to get through life, struggling to grow food, to cope with drought. And we want the world to be different. In the midst of death, whether a toddler nearby or through wars on the other side of the world, we long for the world to be a different kind of place. When we're dissatisfied 
with war and we long for peace, then we are mourning. When we cry to God and work together for injustice, then we are mourning. When we take food around to a grieving family and can give nothing more than a hug, we are mourning. We are saying to God, we do not want the world to be like this. We want the world to be a different kind of place. And part of our worship has always been to pray for others. Prayers of intercession. When in the presence of a gracious God, we are asking God that the world might be different. That God might keep on working in his world. These are prayers of mourning. Because the world is not as we want it to be. Jesus mourned. John, when he writes his gospel, is the master of the very, very short sentence that says all kinds of things in just one or two words. Jesus wept. John says. Confronted by death and pain and suffering and mourning, Jesus wept. The world was not as he wanted it to be. It clearly shows Jesus' own sense of loss. Lazarus is described as somebody that he loved. But here is a deeper insight. As Jesus looks on the world and says, this is not how it's meant to be. And this takes us to an even more challenging idea. If Jesus mourns, if Jesus who is God with us mourns, then surely God mourns as well. As God looks on the world and sees all that is broken, God's response must be to mourn that loss and that suffering and that pain. This is not the world as God wants it to be. Blessed are those who mourn. Jesus said. Why? Because when we mourn, when we cry to God and say, we don't want the world to be like this, we are sharing in what God is already doing. Our prayers are participating and connecting with God's own feelings as God looks on the world and says, this is not how it's meant to be. But if God mourns, if God says this is not how it's meant to be, why doesn't God change it? 
Now, of course, in this beatitude, God does promise change. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. If God mourns, it gives us the confidence to know that the day will come when mourning will end. This beatitude takes us to the future. Jesus said to Mary and Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And they understand him to mean something that will happen at the end. We might think of Revelation and its promise of a new future where there will be no mourning or crying or pain. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. There will be a day, says Jesus. It's Friday, but Sunday is coming. But Jesus also challenges what Mary and Martha think. They think resurrection can only happen at the end when God comes to put things right. But Jesus says to them, I am the resurrection and the life now. In the midst of all that suffering and pain, I stand before you as the resurrection. We look to a future and we long for a future when God will come and put things right. But, but in the meantime, in the here and now, Jesus stands among us as the resurrection and the life. We look for, we wait for, we long for God's Spirit to be here, bringing mercy, forgiveness, and grace. Comfort where there is pain. Forgiveness where there is brokenness. Mercy and grace in the midst of life now. I cannot pretend that that answers all the questions. I cannot pretend as I think about what I think I have lost, I won't get, that it answers all my questions of what God allowed to happen and what God is doing. I expect life will carry on, both with a sense of questions and mourning and pain. I can have no expectation as a father that everything will simply be sorted at some point. Yet there is a promise of Jesus as the resurrection and the life. And that there is a sense, a real sense, that in God's mercy and forgiveness and grace, I can know something of that comfort today with the promise it will be perfected in the future. Blessed are those who mourn. That's you and me. That's all of us. None of us will escape that experience. 
Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. 